We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hi, hello, it is Josh Bow, one of the many editors over at MavsMoneyBall.com, coming to you with another edition of Mavs Moneyball After Dark. I am hosting this evening since it is already 1 a.m. on the East Coast with my partner, Kirk Henderson. Uh, Kirk, how are you doing tonight? Are you, are you awake? Are you okay? I am awake. It was a good, fun game to stay up late for. It uh, kind of kept me on the edge of my seat right through, you know, about the six-minute uh, mark of the fourth quarter is a lot of fun um really glad they escaped with a win because it felt like uh shades of the raptors game at a certain point so yeah it's you know good night yeah mavericks beat the trailblazers in portland 133 to 125 it really felt like a 2003 <laughs> mavericks game just like the the scoring and the the lack of defense on both ends just the up and down pace not too many stoppages not a ton of foul calls and free throws. Uh, so really, the game really did have a nice flow, even if there are some things we can we can maybe complain about. But, you know, offensively, the Mavericks just, you know, fifty over 50% from the field, 51.6, 22 of 47 from three, which is just bananas. They were 12 of 18 within the first 15 minutes of the game. And naturally, they still only had like an eight or nine point lead at the time because that's just kind of how this game went. But uh, yeah, it was it was interesting to see uh, Carlisle roll out uh, with this is their first game since the Dwight Powell Achilles injury. So I assumed that it was going to be Maxi Kleba to to start the game, but instead he goes with small ball with uh, Porzingis at the five and Seth Curry as the fifth starter. I thought that was kind of an interesting decision. Portland, I think, makes it a little bit easier because they basically just start white side and then four perimeter guys. So even though Maxi can guard perimeter guys, it's just it's just a little easier when you play a team like Portland that never plays 
really doesn't really play two bigs on the floor at the same time. Mm-hmm. And Whiteside is such a a much easier cover for Przingis because it's not like he's getting a lot of post up touches and and stuff like that. So it worked out. You know, it it worked out. I don't know if it'll be a lineup that Rick will keep going with all season. It might just be matchup dependent. You know, like if they play the Lakers or something, I doubt right. he would do this lineup. But it looked good. Uh, the Przingis of the five lineup hasn't played very well this season. Uh, I believe it's it's a negative net rating on the season so far, but it really has only been used for like bench lineups. Uh, this is the first time they kind of really ro- rolled it out with, you know, the best players surrounding Przingis. So, you know, what were your initial thoughts about that? Well, I wanted to read something before we get too far away. From, okay. I'm going to answer your question, but I've had this sitting there. So the great, our, our good friend Bobby Corrala had an excellent tweet. He says, this was one of the zaniest games I've ever seen. The teams combined for 43 made threes on 86 attempts. I believe that's actually <laughs> an NBA record. Uh, Dallas breaks 130 for the eighth time this season, matching the total from the 2010-2011 season through last year. <laughs> ah, that's wild. Yeah. Okay, so to answer your question about percentages in the five, I really like it at least for a game like this because the Portland is not a good defensive team, but they really didn't know what to do. Uh, and, and there's not, there's, re- there's really no way for any team to consistently defend a five out offense uh, with the driver like Luca and even the, the semblance of shooters that the Mavericks put around because you're, when you have such a good ball handler and decision maker like Luca, you're essentially daring him to make the right decision, which that is why he's so important. Uh, there were, there was a play late that is, is basically Dorian Finney, uh, yeah, Dorian Finney Smith three from the right corner in the fourth, where uh, I believe DeLon Wright brought the ball up. Uh, Luca got the ball coming off like a screen on the side and then drove all the way to the cup. And at that point, they're three blazers are surrounding him and he basically makes a blind look to the corner for Finney Smith for three. And, you know, I don't remember who else was in the lineup at that point. Cause I'm just tired, but that's essentially an example of what I'm talking about here, where if they don't send that double, or in that case, really a triple uh, triple team at Luca, he's going to shoot or he's going to find somebody else. Like there's just not, the Mavericks really didn't even play like they played good offense, but they didn't really play that good of a game. And, you know, the eight point margin for people who are waking up and listening to this, who didn't want to stay up. The Mavericks had like a 20 point lead at one point, this game was not five point lead in the third quarter. This game was not close. It was uncomfortable, but it was not close really ever. The Mavericks kind of held control of the game the entire time. Yeah, they definitely, it felt like the second half, they're kind of playing with their food a little bit. I think they got it up to yes. a 25 point lead. And then they kind of, it, I mean, they took their, their foot off the gas pedal and mm-hmm. Portland kind of went into overdrive and Damian Lillard went, went bananas because the Mavericks really don't have anyone that can guard him outside of maybe DeLon Wright. So, uh, and then, you know, if I have like one little qualm, it's I, we could bring this up later when we're talking maybe more about things that bugged us. I'll bring it up later, but but yeah, you're right. Like, I this Portland team is just they are not equipped to handle this Dallas offense. Like, Hassan Whiteside does not want to leave more than you know, he does not want to step more than two feet outside the paint. So, mm-hmm. when you're running pick and rolls with Przingis or you have Przingis spotting up. Like, they really just don't have an answer for that. And, you know, it's evident by the looks they got. I mean, Porzingis was three or four from three. 
that was fantastic, especially after, you know, his first game back uh, on Tuesday where he, you know, he understandably looked off. Um, really, everyone had a great night shooting except for, except for Luca, uh, which that could be maybe something else we talk about a little bit later. But it was good. I know uh, Seth Curry can kind of drive us a little batty with his inconsistency, but I think overall he was pretty solid. Uh, Finney Smith hit three of five from three. Uh, though I want to bring up Jalen Brunson, uh, four or five from three, 17 points in 17 minutes. We were just talking about the bench trio of Brunson, Wright, and Curry and how that they can kind of go inexplicably invisible for long stretches of games. And this was the opposite of that. I mean, they were making splash plays, like impact plays, throughout the night and i know this is big for you you talk about this all the time brunson was ready to shoot i don't think he hesitated on any of his threes i don't think he uh you know pump faked into a worse shot uh tonight and man i mean what what can they do to get him to do that for the rest of the season because this this felt like the blueprint for him to be successful yeah i remember last season i was pretty unhappy with brunson through about christmas and then you go back and you look at his kind of month-to-month splits, and he improved every single month. I've not done that this year because I don't think his minutes have been consistent enough. But that's exactly you know that's essentially all we can ask for from Brunson is for him to be decisive. And every Maverick really looked decisive tonight. Maybe that's that's the opponent, but. You know, Dewan Wright, who who was was just he was just excellent all over the floor, really just like doing all of the things that that we ever could have hoped for back when uh, the Mavericks signed him in the summer. And you know, Curry is is hilarious to me. The dude misses the easy shots and then makes the hard ones. That sidestep really three, like that sidestep three he took over Mello was bananas. And then in the first half, he misses a wide open corner three gets his own rebound and then misses another wing three. It's like, I don't understand how those are the things, you know, that's just being a shooter must be so like weird. Like I, I remember when I played basketball a thousand years ago, it, like I just got, I just lived in my own head with like, you know, missed easy buckets. And, and, you know, the fact that he bounced back was actually kind of impressive because I feel like Curry's been really feast or famine. And, you know, he ended up six of 11 from the floor, 17 points, it was just it was, it was impressive. The strange stat line, you know, he still I thought he played a really effective game. Was Tim Hardaway Jr. who only took nine shots? Like what? What is that about? That's going to be something to look uh, uh look at. I don't know. Like the entire, you know, the entire team played really well. There's a little too much Justin Jackson for my liking, but the man had five assists, which means he was driving and dishing. But this this was fun. Yeah, uh, Maxi Kleba kind of. It was. I think what I really liked. Uh, this is probably mean, but you know, Boban was a DNP and I know we love Boban and he is a tremendous human and he is good at basketball and it's just the, the physical limits of the human body. You just do not want him. I was just so terrified that the Mavericks were going to lean on him for more than, you know, he is capable of. So maybe that's, you know, that goes into the thinking as well to, to start Curry and you can bring Maxi off the bench and you're not playing Maxi. 35 minutes a night which probably you know isn't great for him to to shoot up that dramatically from what he was doing before the pal injury and maxi played well off the bench 15 points on nine shots hit a couple threes had a really fantastic block on mellow in the second half like like a zion-esque second jump like after he 
he kind of landed and then immediately bounced right, you know, immediately jumped right back off the floor to, to get a, a shot block as he was almost like falling down. Uh, had a cup, had a really nice and one alley oop, and that'll be interesting to watch him progress as a role man, which he was doing pretty well uh, when Pal got hurt, but you know, he's, he's still not at the level of Pal. Uh, so we'll see if that's something he can develop a little bit more now that they're going to need him with Pal down. So yeah, like you said, offensively, it was it was almost a perfect game uh, offensively. Uh, but you know, I do have a, a couple a couple of nitpicks because that of course that's me. Uh, but we can get to those. We're going to take a quick break and we'll get to those uh, right after this. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy here to get you ready for the big tournament tonight. We'll break down. We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Okay, we're back with MMB After Dark. Mavericks beat the Trailblazers 133-125. to 125. Uh, The first half, we kind of talked about uh, how great the Mavs played and, and what we really liked. I guess we can kind of transition into maybe some of the things that we we can nitpick a little bit. I mean, it's hard to nitpick when your team basically goes wire to wire and has a 25-point lead. But uh, I think the the one thing that really, you know, irked me was, you know, the Mavericks got outscored uh, in the second half. You know, they got outscored by two in the third quarter and five in the fourth quarter. And, you know, that's, that's the benefit of building up such a huge lead in the first half. But when Portland went on a 17-0 run, in the third quarter, I'm sure everyone watching the game that's a Mavs fan was like, okay, here we go again. And I think what I didn't like about it was it wasn't just that the Mavs were getting like the short end of the stick and maybe they were just they were just missing shots. I mean, they were missing shots, but the, the game tightened up. It got intense. The crowd got into it, and the Mavs turned into four guys watching Luka on offense. And it just got a little ugly and it got a little stagnant, and it was like the clutch time problems just kind of fat, like sped Did up. Did call any timeouts during that run? I don't remember. I think he called one right toward the beginning. They knocked it down to a 12-point lead, and he called one, and then they got it down to eight, and he might have called another. He called at least one. Uh, I'm not sure if he called more than one after that. But, yeah, it just yeah. – I, I didn't like how the team just sh- – like just tur- it, they just transformed. You know, the, they were – they were, it was so free flowing and, and the ball was moving and then all of a sudden things get tight. It gets a little hard and they just kind of abandon what they're good at and they, they weathered the storm and got back to it. But I mean, man, for like five, for like five minutes there, it was, it, it looked a little dicey. I, I never know really what to say about those sort of things <laughs> because it's in those instances, that's when it's evident that the Mavericks are either some combination 
of young, inexperienced, or not enough talent. I I waffle on how I feel about the not enough talent. Is this is an odd stretch? The Blazers, you know, they they came back from it, which I suppose is pretty nice. And they really built back up the lead to 15 points again at, at a certain point after after letting it fall pretty far down. Yeah. Um, so that was at least something. I think my other nitpick, my other nitpick really has to be, I, I don't, I don't understand enough of the NBA rules. I, I just don't <laughs> like there were three calls in the fourth quarter alone, a basket interference call, which was obvious and two goal tens, which were obvious that all went against the Mavericks. And I just feel like I'm missing something in terms of, of what the refs are saying. I don't understand what's reviewable and what's not. I know the Port- Portland had a uh, had a buzzer beater taken away, which like I do understand why those are reviewable, sort of, but it's just I don't know. Just kind of. Thankfully, the refs didn't muck it up. It's kind of a weird, just a weird deal. Yeah, especially that I think it was a Delon goaltend and a Brunson for those, and each time you know Brunson and Delon like immediately knew it. And there's you can't really. There's no stopped you know no. they can't stop the play and you know even you know i'm not really a big review guy so like oh i'm almost okay. like i'm not okay with obviously the bad call but if, if they're gonna stop the game after every time to, to challenge stuff like that i you know i don't know if that's necessarily the right answer either um i wonder like <laughs> i know you said you don't want to be a ref guy and uh, you're not being a ref guy no, it, 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 it has it has felt like you know they're just they're getting some really bad calls lately and i'm trying to figure out is it is it more bad calls than normal or is it the last three years we didn't really care about the bad calls? it's probably that it has <laughs> to be that the other there's two other things i want to hit on that yeah. i just am kind of incredulous about um first we we didn't even touch on the Ma- two of the mavericks best players tonight in uh hassan whiteside and carmelo anthony <laughs> exactly those two suck Like, I can't imagine, like, Dame Lillard is is just such a human fireball, and they just waste possessions. I mean, Melo was atrocious. Like, I remember tweeting something around the fact that when Justin Jackson was guarding him about how bad it was going to go, and then Melo made one shot out of four and had two turnovers. (laughs) It's just, it's it's delightful. Um, The last thing I I at least want to point out is, is, and I think this might have been, I I had the TV muted, so somebody can correct me online tomorrow. Luca swore on live television, and I'm pretty sure it had to do with his own three-point shooting. Once again, he's two for 11. Yeah, it's not great. And and three of six from the line. Yeah. My man, what, what, like, what is happening? What, is Uh, this something they can fix this year, or is this just something we're all going to scream into the void about? I think it might be something we have to scream into the void about. He's shooting 69.5% from the free throw line in January. Last three games, 50%, 64, 62. Uh, and then the game before that, uh, he then he had a 90. But then, before, then after that, 25%. Um, he's actually shooting 36% from three this yeah, month. Yeah, that feels like a typo, but I'm looking at the game at the it, game logs and he it's really two, is. It's two game it's the 8 for 12 against Portland uh, on Friday uh, of last week and it's the the 5 for 10 against the, the Bulls earlier in the month. Cuz you look at it and the he's sandwiched some pretty awful three awful. Like, there's there was a stretch in January, 1 for yeah. 7, 1 for 5, 1 for 3, 2 for 9, 0 oh for 5. 
and then three for 12, two for 11 these last two games. So, yeah, yeah, it's 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 interesting because he he says it. He's aware. You know, if you ask him in the locker room after these games, he's like, yeah, I fell in love with the three. I need to go to the rim more. He's saying it, but it's not necessarily uh, like I'm just going to fire another one. Yeah, it's it's not happening yet. And uh, I mean, he did do like tonight, tonight, this morning, whatever time it is, he did get his final shot of the game was just a and granted, again, Whiteside sucks, but Whiteside bit on what he thought was going to be a Doncic fadeaway. And Luca went right into him for a layup that just it, it took my breath away. It was such a cool move. So yeah. it floors me the improvement he's made from last season to this season, scoring his scoring near the basket and in the paint. Like it is it is a remarkable night and day difference how much more confident he is when he is driving to the basket or he is inside the three-point line. Uh but yeah, the three pointers, you know, he's, uh, I'm guessing, I think he was at 32% entering tonight. So that's going to go down a little bit. Like his three point shot, his three point numbers, they're at the point where it's like, okay, now it's like, you know, you don't like, this is the thing we've been talking about all season, trying to explain how good the Mavs are with their kind of role players that aren't necessarily, you know, all shooting lights out. You know, you don't have to be like a 40% or 38% three-point shooter to shoot a, a lot of threes for it to make sense. But mm-hmm. now he he's he is testing those limits, I think. You know, I, I think he is he is at the point now where he just he needs to either start shooting them better or he needs to maybe tone it back a little bit. Um, even though I know that the threat of his three-point shot and the step backs, I'm sure that helps his drive game. Like, I mean, defenders guard him like he's a you know, 38% shooter or whatnot. Like, you know, it's not like teams are necessarily like laying off of him too much. So uh, it, it, there has to be a balance. And and I know Kirk, you've talked about that before about like, Hey, if, if, you know, if he's being guarded as a good three point shooter, then, you know, that almost matters just as much. So, yeah. So we'll oh, see. Yeah. I mean, this, this is one of those games where we all ought to enjoy. Right. 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 Before we get out of here, there's a couple of just ridiculous things that I'm looking at now. Big picture. Like the Mavs are now 15 and five away. That's nuts. Which, which means they're 13. If, if I, unless I can't do math, that means they're 13 and 11 at home. Yeah. That's a right. Six win disparity like that. I don't know if I've ever heard of anything like that for, for a team like this. You know, one thing to consider guys is that the Mavericks are essentially a team with a point differential of like a, a 33, 33 and a half win team. That's how much the, the, these, the, the 7.1 point differential like really matters. It's right. so like important, like, like NBA analysts that are, that are much smarter than Josh and I, or at least get paid more uh, have talked about this extensively. Like this doesn't make sense. And the Mavs have to figure out their nonsense at home. It's the road win in, in Portland. Like we shouldn't take it for granted. Like that's huge. And right. they, they really need to figure something out at home. Yeah. And I'm looking at like the schedule and I'm trying to figure out, is it because they just happen to play really great teams at home most of the time? And that's kind of it, you know, like their last, you know, four of their last home games, three of them included the Clippers, the Lakers and the Nuggets. So, I mean, that's a thing, but then, you look at some of their home losses and it's, you know, home loss to Charlotte. Um, it's a home loss to the Kings, you know, home loss to the Knicks, 
So they, yeah, they, there's a different kind of energy with them at home that just hasn't really translated. I don't know what it is. You know, part of it is they play better teams, but like they do. Yeah, you're right. It's different. They gotta, they gotta figure it out. I, I'm not sure what the answer is besides just it, just natural order of, of things balancing out, but, but yeah. Um, well, well, I had fun. Yeah, I, I did fun. too. Uh, congratulations on making TNT before we leave. I think we have to address <laughs> that. Uh, that was pretty funny. So much fun of me. I, I bet. I can't imagine. I mean, every, I think like all eight, you know, we all tweet each other, Mavs Twitter, like every single one of us posted that screenshot. So I'm glad we were all in solidarity there. Um, uh, I hope your your new followers treat you very nicely. Because <laughs> I'm sure that's been a pain, that's been a pain in the ass for us this season. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, that's about all I got. Anything else you want to say before we get out of here? Uh, so there's a weird time for the Portland. Uh, sorry, there is a weird time for the Utah game on Saturday. Right. Josh right. and I are unclear who's going to be able to watch, and we'll get a podcast up, but it's probably not going to be our finest work. Um, no, don't think so. You know, just wanted to let everybody know we do have a two part series coming oh, out right. uh state of the mavs podcast coming out tomorrow and saturday uh our, our man coop recorded a couple of episodes for us where he talked to about half our staff on certain topics so be looking for that to hit your box and uh that's all i got yeah, cool that's all i got so we'll get out of here and we will hopefully talk to you sometime on saturday afternoon or saturday evening uh, and again mavericks beat the trailblazers 133 125 This has been Mavs Moneyball After Dark, Josh Bowe and Kirk Henderson, and we'll talk to you later. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua, and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter, and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film, and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.